At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So this is going to be a really fun episode. A little different than what we normally do here on Dunked On. I actually met this guy just sitting in the stands watching a game at Vegas Summer League. Went to college at Duquesne. He's been playing for Seska Moscow for the last like four or five years now. We'll be playing in China this year with the Beijing Ducks actually taking Stefan Marbury's place. But he follows NBA basketball religiously. Also has a ton of experience overseas and just a very frank, funny, interesting guy and uh I think you'll really enjoy the show. Quick disclaimer, though, might be a little bit more language on this show than normal because we kind of just let it go a little bit. So if you got the kids around, might want to earmuff them. But I think everyone will really enjoy this one. Then we're going to have Danny on talk about the Clippers, Lakers, and Memphis Grizzlies Summer League prospects as well. Try to make a little more progress on that. Here we go with Aaron Jackson. All right. It was a fortuitous coincidence uh, that we met. Do you remember who we were talking about or, or who you were talking about? when i just interjected into your into your conversation yes. in very very nice fashion yes you know it's crazy uh i swear i just like two days ago I, or yesterday i looked at the tweet and it said james cooley cooley got signed to a two-way contract for uh which team was it <laughs> but we were talking about him Kings. I, I think i was crushing him too i was like saying that he can't even move. <laughs> and you turned around and said i heard he's the best player in uh one of his situations in europe and i, I played against him a few times and good for him he got signed he got signed for a two-way contract with the kings yeah yeah and i think you said nah he, he ain't the best player in the german league <laughs> nah, he, he wasn't he, he definitely who, wasn't who, the best player in the german league uh who is who is the best player in the german league are, uh, are you are you that up on the german league yes i am i think the uh i think the kid that just got signed by our new orleans uh miller oh darius miller oh darius yeah, yeah. Miller, i, yes. I want to ask you about him uh because yeah. like he was he took a couple years off like you think he's gonna be good Yep, I think he's gonna be real good. He's a he's a mismatch. Uh, uh, in Europe, he's a mismatch. I don't know how he will be in the NBA, but uh, before that, he played with Brad Wanamaker, which was the best player in Germany for like the past two years. And once Ger- once Brad left, he took over and he became the best player in Germany. Not not Cooley. So, but I think he'd be yeah. good in the NBA too because he, he can shoot the ball. And I think if you can shoot the ball and you can spread be a, a spread man, um, you can be very effective in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, because he's got, like he can't jump at all, right? But he's got like a strong body. Like, yep. and if he could shoot, like that's I mean that's a player and and he's very motor he got a, he had a motor so you know what like those players in, in the nba like i got a motor like mccaro and all the other crowders that that can uh that, that doesn't stop and then also can shoot 
the ball, um, they they can find a spot in the NBA. Yeah, I, like because I was surprised that he got because they gave him more than the minimum, and I was surprised to see that. Like, I guess he had a lot of people like actually competing for his services. I hadn't he hadn't really been on my radar since he left. Ah, uh, really? Um, he was uh he got he got over the minimum. I thought it was minimum. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, he was in the NBA before, so the minimum is definitely um good for him. But I know there's teams in um, Europe that was willing to give him more than he got uh, at the at the taxes, obviously. Uh, my yeah. former team in Cheska wanted him. Uh, Barcelona wanted him. He was definitely um, a big bid on uh, on the free agents list, and you know more more good things to him that he went to the NBA. I know he, I know he was excited about that. All right, so I wanted to get your take on this Kyrie Irving thing because it's something that for me, what I said on my show and we talked about it the other day was my conclusion is, I mean, you could say a lot of things about this, but like if winning championships is his goal, like you can't really see him make this request and conclude that like winning a championship is the most important thing to him but like what was do you agree with that like or is is it just something else that's more important to him at this point you think it's uh it's the brand um i know i know people that know uh Kyrie. it's, the, it's definitely his brand he uh he doesn't want to stay uh second fiddle bet- between uh lebron james and sometimes i watch games in the playoffs and i see tyrone lou takes him out a couple times and you can just look in Kyrie's uh eyes he's not he's not with that oh shit dude i saw that actually yeah. like he, there was one time like because you know he was going up against clay like all finals and there was one time yeah. in game five where he started killing mccaw and then lou took him exactly. out and he had like he looked back at him. you remember that exactly i remember that he just he subbed them out but it's it's a thing that tyrone lou always does he takes him out in the uh he takes him out in the um the last like three minutes of the first quarter second quarter yeah. he lets lebron he let lebron's play and Kyrie, you could tell he didn't like that shit and you know <laughs> and then and then now on top of that he's, he's getting second fiddle and his brand you know he wants he wants his brand to get better he wants to be bigger he wants to be global he see Kyrie getting uh he see Stephen Curry getting um potentially 46 million dollars a year and he his his brand is building so I think I think that kind of hurt the NBA now players want their brand social media is ruling so he's like you know what I want to trade I, it's definitely not for championships because it's the best way to win a championship yeah. is staying is staying with LeBron well so I mean what did you think when you first heard it like is there anything that came to mind beyond that when you was this a surprise to you or did, or did you actually <laughs> kind of see it coming a little bit Ah oh, man, uh, from um, from talking to my agents and my some of my friends, um, it was it was actually a surprise. You know, uh, we we felt like LeBron would leave and Kyrie would have his chance again to be at the biggest team. But I think maybe who knows? There's so many conspiracies going on. Maybe Kyrie's just <laughs> he's just going and waiting for LeBron to leave, so he's gonna go to the Knicks and then LeBron goes to the Knicks. Who knows? They could just be playing the game. But uh, you know, when you're when you're when you're a competitor and you and you want to play um, and you want to win championships, of course, this is a big surprise. But but who knows what Kyrie's thinking? Um, he, he definitely betting on himself. Well, I'm sure it was kind of similar for you in Europe, right? Like you're playing on one of the best teams in Europe. I mean, I, I will admit I hadn't followed followed your career that closely until we just like happened to meet in, in the stands in Las Vegas. Yeah. But like you you could obviously have gone to a smaller team and had a much larger role. Maybe not got uh, paid as much, I guess, as well. But like it, you're you know you're p- playing you know less than 20 minutes a game last year, right? So exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm a competitor too. Like um, there's been times where I've been on Cheska playing behind uh, Milos Teodosis that just got picked up by the Clippers. Um, He's probably the best point guard in uh, Europe, and I think he is, like, top three 
uh, pick and roll point guards in the world. And and when I'm playing, and when I was playing by him, this times I thought, you know what, I want to go somewhere else. Fuck this. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I want to go build my brand. I want to be a competitor. I want to lead my team. But you know, playing five years there and winning the championship is and um, making good money. Of course, um, you don't you don't always want to take what the grass is greener. And I hope uh, you know Kyrie understands what he's doing. But um, like I said, I've been in his shoes, just being a competitor. How, how good is Kyrie? I watch I watch Kyrie uh, highlights literally every day. Um, literally every day. When I'm in Europe literally every day. Um, well, I, but I that's watch. but that's not like that doesn't make you like the best basketball player. Though, I right? I agree. I was gonna I was gonna also say that he doesn't make anyone around him better. So he he he's not a role. He's a he's he's a player that you know what. I'm I'm a I'm a one I'm a one B because he's definitely a one, but he has to be a one B. LeBron's the one A, he's the one B. He could, he could be the the wild card that can close out the game. But uh, him taking on his own team, we've seen him done that before. They never make the playoffs. Um, yes, they had bad players, but still he even get them close. He got coaches fired. But once it comes to uh, you get him, you all he needs someone to get him there, and I think he'll finish it. And other than that, um, he's a hell of a player. He's my favorite player uh, besides. Uh, Russell Westbrook, I think. Yeah, just to, to watch me. Well, so I, do you think he could get better? Like, is that something like at setting guys up? At because I mean, you know, we know what the record is when LeBron doesn't play. Like when LeBron is off the floor, mm-hmm. their numbers are are really bad. It's real bad, and the ball doesn't move. But I've I've seen Kyrie actually have eleven assists one playoff game, and, and he yeah. was literally making the passes that a point guard should make, and then he had like twenty eight, and it wasn't even assist passes. Some passes were like hockey assists. That's what it I've, is, right? That's what people don't understand is like you say like oh like this dude's averaging x number of assists but it's like you held the ball until you could throw it to someone who was wide open right like you have to like actually empower your teammates to make the play sometimes exactly and um i've seen i've seen him hold the ball and make the uh the assist pass and like i said when i saw him score 28 11 he was making the 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 short roll pass to tristan thompson tristan thompson was kicking out the clay culver and so you don't want to say Kyrie can't pass but it's just something that he's not his favorite to do unless his assist and I think that's something that he needs to get better on. And he's still young. He's still he's still gonna be one of the best point guards in the league. He just need to get that in his game, and then he can really be be one uh, A and not one B. Yeah, well, I, I guess there's also like you know that other end of the court <laughs> that he yeah. that he has to the, deal with the defense. But the de- uh, right now in the NBA, obviously, I think I think the defense is for point guards and and two guards is the most overrated uh, position. You don't need those guys to play defense. You need the uh, the three to four and five. So when they switch to play defense, the one and two defense is overrated in the NBA. Yeah, unless I guess that's unless true, you're Avery right? Bradley, unless you're Avery Bradley. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it depends yeah. like what what type of defense you're playing to. I think like if you have like an immobile center who yeah. like just has to hang like if he's gonna drop then yep. i think you need guys who could like actually fight over a screen yeah, exactly. and play like i mean but it's like it's not about like oh i'm gonna just stop you in an iso because like that's you know because it's all like pick and roll but like if you're just gonna switch then yeah it's yeah. not that bad but he like he needs to like fight when he's on a switch too like if he gets like down in the post against someone like he just like gives yeah. up every time he, oh yeah man i mean I'm, I'm i'm like the same i think i give up too if, it, if i see if i'm switching on deandre jordan <laughs> I will get right back to Aaron Jackson momentarily after this word from our supporters at Movement Watches, mvmt.com slash cap space. Take out all the vols, mvmt.com slash cap space is the way to get started with them and get 15% off for watches that already are far more economical than what you would get at a department store. They start at just $95. A department store, you're looking at $400 to $500. I really love their 40 series. I prefer a little smaller watch. 
40 stands for 40 millimeters. It's a great gift idea, especially because a lot of people don't wear watches anymore now. They just have their cell phones. But having a great watch is an awesome accessory. You could actually even buy more than one because they are more economical than other ways to buy watches to match different outfits. If you go to that mvmt.com slash capspace URL, you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see the quality, the style that these watches have. They've now sold over a million watches in 160 countries. So if you're an international listener, great way to support the pod because they do ship internationally. And it'll be even better of a deal if you use that slash capspace URL, mvmt.com slash capspace. Join the movement. So for people who have, haven't seen you play, like what's your game like? Give me like the 30 second like summary of like what you're getting uh, like. 30 second, of my, 30 second summary of my game. I, I've been through a lot of phases in Europe. Um, my first two years and my first two, my first three years, it was, you know, playmaker score, um, you know, just scoring or whatever it takes to help the team win and being that guy. And then the last five years and Cheska, I became a guy that pretty much did everything that helped the, uh, help the team win. I was a team first oriented uh, player. Um, not, not a Bruce Brown in this extent, but I was a good uh, role player that, that was definitely a factor and um, being successful in uh, uh, Cheska. Yeah. Well, so you're playing now with the, uh, the Beijing Ducks. Are you actually replacing Stefan Marbury? Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, I got a call from, uh, from, from an agent there. And then the coach called me and then the, the, uh, the owner of the team called me and they told me that, uh, they missed the playoffs the last two years, but fortunately they, they won big things at, um, uh, Marbury, but, uh, they lost, they lost the last two playoff spots and they said, we're going to make a change. We're going to replace a legend and we want you to be the guy to do it. And, um, that's what I'm excited for more than anything is something to get back on to uh, playing the type of basketball where everyone wants me to be that guy again. Yeah. I, I, because I guess like pretty much any American in China, it's like, do they just like expect you to shoot every time? I mean, that's the yeah. stereotype. Is that actually true? Uh, yeah, but you know, it's a, I talked to the coach about that kind of because he, he's, he's a Greek coach. He's a, uh, he's coached in Europe. He coached in Germany. Um, I'm like, uh, first thing I said was like, you know, you know, you're calling, um, a player that plays in Europe for eight years and that's a, a Europe mentality. I'm not a guy that's going to go out there and score 40 points. I'm not going to do it like a Marshawn Brooks or, uh, uh, <laughs> those guys that, that just gets, uh, 40 points and you no, know, or Russ Smith that gets 60 points. I'm not the type of guy. I'm going to, I'm going to make the right pass. And when it's time for me to take over, I'm going to do that. He was like, Aaron, I'm, I'm trying to change the brand of, Chinese basketball we're gonna to try to win it like a team sport we're gonna to try to win it a team sport and I think that's the uh and that's what and we're gonna change the league and I think you're the, you're the first player to do it so I'm excited about that too oh yeah be, who are you gonna be playing with there uh Justin Hamilton you know he just played for Toronto and he just oh nice he just yeah um he played he played in Europe I see him playing in Europe a couple times too um so he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be the big man in mirror with me we already talked um having said that uh the whole uh I'm gonna be a role player and and, and uh try to make the right play but I'm excited to play against any uh any american that's going to be there i'm gonna try to go out the head and just that show that i, I can also uh be elite uh player at any level do you would you rather play with like a stretch five like him where there's more space or would you rather have like the deandre jordan type like elite role guy like go get an oop but like can't shoot bro i'm i'm the worst player to throw alley oops i can't throw <laughs> so, <laughs> i can't throw alley to save my life it's been so many times where i, I threw alley oop to my players and they're just like a little bit higher or a little bit left and then I do it and then it's all the way right or it's all the way low so definitely playing with uh Justin Hamilton is gonna uh, 
benefit because I like I like to take the basket. I don't like I don't like the big rolling and getting in my way. So when he <laughs> when he when he pops, he's getting to spread the court, and I always make the right pass. So or I make the right decision in finishing or, or um, finishing or making the right pass. So I'm excited about that. So one of the things we talked about a lot was just this off season because you you watch a ton of basketball, you follow the mm-hmm. business aspect really closely. Yeah. Who was like a contract that you th- thought like someone who should have got paid more this off season that you think is really good? Like kind of underrated. Ah oh, man, there's a, there's a few players I think that got uh, undervalued in the in the contract, but like you said, the money ran quick. It's definitely uh, my uh, my back, uh, my starting point guard. I played with Cheska uh, Milos Teodosis. I thought uh, he was going to get more. Yeah, me too. He he played the game wrong. I know some um, inside things where he didn't. You know, the NBA. Uh, a lot of GMs didn't really understand his character because they heard so many rumors and there's so many rumors yeah. about him and once i've and before i played in Cheska, i heard so many rumors about him and then once you get to meet him and be around him and see the type of player he is uh you're like all right it's, it's not true like he's a good he's a real good dude okay he has his issues on the basketball court but the issues that, that people say about him person personally is not true and his agent didn't do a good job of bringing him to america he let him stay in europe and he didn't let him meet teams face to face and it kind of scared uh it kind of scared gms where to pay him him or giving him type of money like that but he definitely should have got uh three years 24 million between 24 and 30 i thought well a lot of people got fucked on the point guard market this year too yeah. because this draft had so many point guards in it right i mean like all these yeah. teams and then russell got traded to to brooklyn that was supposed to be a team that was going to get a point guard philly moved yeah. up they drafted Fultz, so that was one that was lost so there were really weren't that many landing spots of places that were looking for starting point guards especially when you had like some pretty established guys in the NBA who might have been ahead of him so I, I mean like I understand why just based on the money that was left he ended up getting what he did but he definitely he had he had a three-year I think between 24 and 30 million dollar contract with Chicago it was literally hours away before it signed it was 97 percent chance he was going there and then the whole Jimmy Butler uh trade happened and if he would have stayed 100 percent he'd have been Chicago three three oh wow three years, really? 30 million yeah I talked to him about that he was really he was really tight about that because he really wanted to go there but you know uh, the Bulls finally become a Bulls fan. Paxson and them did a good job of saying, you know what, let's let's start over and um and let's uh let's let's not let's let's start over and then try to rebuild with the young and keep our salary cap because you know Jimmy Butler was going to ask for oof, I want to say thirty million a year pretty soon. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I mean, because that's like that designated player mm-hmm. extension where if he qualifies, it's like you know, do we want to pay him? He would have been twenty nine five year mm-hmm. deal. That's like a little all right. Well, so you're a Bulls fan? Like I'm sorry, I I grew up in Chicago actually uh yeah but cool. uh was there during the jordan years is that your how did you become a bulls fan i became a bulls fan because my brother kind of liked the lakers and uh i wanted to root against him and one of my best <laughs> friends was a knicks fan and i was young i was like eight and he always talked about the knicks and i said you know what patrick ewan magic uh, michael jordan i go with michael jordan he loved patrick ewan he was a big man i was a point i was a guard so you know i became a bulls fan at the age of eight and i've just been liking him ever since dude i i actually turned in my fan card like about three years ago i think like the last year that i actually like kind of rooted for them to win games was uh 2014-15 i think after that i've been like i mean part of it is just because like i followed the league so closely it's just like you can't really root for teams anymore but like they've been i mean they've been kind of fucking up to be honest like (laughs) lately like i've i've like lost because i used to defend them a lot and really since like (laughs) they fired tibbs they really, I to me, they haven't it's, done anything right. I haven't liked any the, of their moves. It's definitely the management. The management, they just, they just making bad moves. I do like the, 
the move of Jimmy Butler. Um, I think he's an excellent player, but I think it's time for us to, to get a new identity. Do, do you thought they got enough for him though? Like you, you like Dunn? I, I, I'm um, Dunn's from Connecticut, so I'm gonna go with him. But I don't think he's gonna be the uh, the guard that that's gonna save them. No, but I, yeah. I like Zach. I like Zach Levine. I like being young. I like the uh, the yeah. kid they drafted to. Yeah, marketing. But, oh yeah, yeah, well, because because all right, now I know what your bias is. is you love stretch fives. All right, I love so stretch every, fives. Right, every stretch five, you're gonna be like. <laughs> <laughs> get get Ty Gibson out of there. Get him out of there. I'll take I'll take a stretch five or stretch four any day. Well, all right though. We were sitting there in the stands though, watching Dennis Smith. Like you can't tell me that like they shouldn't have drafted Smith. Over, he is over marketing. I I thought Dennis Smith was I, like people. I thought he top three pick. Um, That's yeah. why I had him too. Um, I still watch him. So I still watch him now. He still he still has a hard time of finding the uh, the, uh, the right pass. And sometimes he's double teamed. Sometimes he draws two defenders on him, and he still makes a spin move with his turns his back instead of getting rid of the ball but like he's young he's a rookie and hopefully he's gonna learn and he, he's gonna be able to learn because mark cuban or rick carlisle say he's starting right away didn't he yeah he did say that i mean we'll yeah. see whether that that actually comes true or not i'm sure like at some point carlisle is gonna bench him for some shit yeah. like i don't know what it's gonna be but um yeah, rick yeah, rick Carlisle's an excellent coach he knows what he's doing yeah no yeah. uh but i mean i think for smith if you look at the type of guys who come in in the league like with his athleticism at like at that age yeah. if you bo- look back like rose or westbrook or john wall like he i think is a better shooter than any of, of those guys and probably yeah. wall is is a better passer than him but i think he's yeah. a better passer than like rose or westbrook were coming in so it's like i'm surprised at like his skill level because most of those athletic dudes like they've just been relying on their athleticism the whole time exactly exactly yeah he's he, he's still uh, and westbrook is still an overrated passer um it's a it's a lot to the assist man and and everything he dominates the ball so much but uh smith smithy i think he's gonna learn real well and I, i'm rooting for him i want to see him be uh i want to see him show up show up the teams that pass him like the knicks because i don't know what the knicks are doing but <laughs> we'll we'll see um we'll have see you him. seen neil Akina at all no i've seen him a couple times not in person and just just a couple highlights i never i never really got to see him play like live or anything like that but everyone told me he's he's real good and he's gonna and gonna be good yeah uh, my combo or my comparison for him is like george hill i think that's like what he's gonna kind of like yeah. long like not like a great finisher but like competes on defense good yeah. spot up shooter like that was kind of what i think i mean maybe he could grow beyond that but like that's uh, i think that's kind of but who's the comparison for uh smith who's the comparison smith then oh, george hill is pretty good i mean that, that's the top i mean he is in the same category as like some of the guys yeah. i was just talking about like westbrook and and rose those guys but i mean i think he's my worry about him is that he's just gonna get injured again like that's that's my fear yeah like with the, the way he plays and like I just trying you. to go in and like dunk on everybody and stuff like he's just gonna like get knocked down one day and like not get up like, exactly but I, I love the chip on his shoulder he's uh i saw an interview after they said he being picked like nine and and being passed on his answer was perfect and talk about like man i'm just happy to be here and i'm, I'm gonna let my work work for itself so he's one of those kids that know exactly what he, what to do to uh to be successful in the NBA, I think. Yeah, it is hard to find a, a comparison for him. Um, yeah. All right, so another thing I want to ask you about is who are the players in Europe that you think would be like really well all right I'll ask you two questions first off who are like the three four best players in Europe right now in your mind like for actually winning games in Europe that and for the players that left right um I don't I don't they're in the NBA now so I'm gonna give it to um Spanoulis he used to play for the Rockets he plays in Greece now oh, yeah. you know Spanoulis he, he didn't play very much for the Rockets but yeah but he was Just, he was on the team can I tell you a story about <laughs> I tell you a story about him one oh, yeah, time Jeff Van Gundy uh was told him listen here uh 
We got you're you're in the game. This is your job. Get the ball to T Mac and go in the corner. All right. And he literally told Jeff Jeff Van Gundy, but I'm the T Mac in Europe. I'm the T Mac in I'm the T Mac in Europe. I don't go to the ball. <laughs> I don't go to the corner. This is exact words to him. And he he ended up going back to Europe and he he definitely is the T Mac of Europe. He might be in fairness, he's not better than T Mac, but he's he's a better if you, you would say he's better than T Mac of Europe. He's he's one of the best players on Europe of all time. He has like five championships, hit number Num- a numerous game winning shots um crush man he crushed my uh final four chances like four times i've seen him do it but like i said and then the other is nano de colo yeah sure you know well so so you you did guard spinulas a lot right yes I had in, a, those, had in those matchups yes i had so, guard spinulas plenty of times i'm you you would pay more attention to this shit than i do but like the first time i saw this play was they used it with him because he like would like to like get off the ball and then like sprint up the lane to to the top of the key and get like a get DHO. A hand, hand yeah. Off, yep. yeah. So mm-hmm. how, how do you guard that? Cause that's like, I mean, especially if the guy could shoot, which he's not like a great shooter, but like no matter where he gets the ball, like you're going to be behind him and then he can attack. You're going to be out of position. It's over. He could shoot it or he can get the hand off and go and go either way. So it's, yeah. it's the, it's the guard, the point guards bringing the ball up and then the, he throws it to the, the five man. Then the four man says a pin down for you. And, and this is Spinoza underneath the basket. So you go left, you yeah. go right and the handoff and he go gets it. And then you either, as a defender, you have to go under it. And if you go under and he's feeling it, he's going to shoot it. Because if you go over it, the big man's in a hedge. He's just going to throw it right to the diver because there's no weak side. Yeah. And it's a dunk. So we, everyone calls it this Panula's play. Because they, I think I think they started that like seven years ago. And he's been doing it ever since. He's probably the best the best player that he kills. He There's nothing there's nothing I can do about it. I tell you that. I tried yeah. everything. So I just get to the point where I just try to get him his foul trouble and get him out of the game. That's That was the best defense against that play. Yeah, I saw the Jazz actually running a lot of that this year. Like they would run it with Hayward a lot. And they would, yeah. they would run to the wing sometimes too, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a really difficult play to do with. I'm, uh, that's funny that that's. I guess I was like one of the first times that they ran it because he like what makes it so hard is because he just like sprints up there on like sprints. a dead run, full, like, just like full speed. So you there's gonna be like separation between yes, you like exactly. when he gets it, and it's just exactly. like all right, if you it's, go on if you go over, then he's just gonna go right to the rim. Exactly. It's either you got you got to pick your poison, just hope and hope you can't uh, shoot it. Uh, I think Quinn when, when I. I I think Quinn, the head coach of uh, Quinn Snyder, the head coach of Utah, when he was coaching us in, in Cheska, he and we lost to uh, Spinulis and uh, Olympiacos in the Final Four. And I swear they must have ran that play like ten times. And <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that's why Quinn and the Utah Jazz run that run that right now in the NBA. Yeah. All right. So, so Nando Decolo was the the other guy you were gonna say. And yeah, Nando Decolo. Um, this dude, he's ice in his veins. Been MVP uh, in Europe last season, or no, year before last, and MVP twice in the VTV. He's an unbelievable uh, scorer and a, a game finisher. And the other, and the last one, the other Houston Rocket draft the uh, Sergio Yu from Madrid, which um, he doesn't want to go to the NBA. I, I don't blame him. He lives in Madrid. He's from he's from Spain. He, he he's literally the king in Madrid. How you see Christian Ronaldo? He is second behind him. He lives like a rock really? star in Spain. Yes, yes, and gets a, um, a nice, a nice paycheck and everything. So he he's loving it. Well, so what's for especially guys who are European? I mean, I think for Americans, it's like you know, it's easier for you to go to come back. Like Epiudo is coming back for like you know, what is he getting paid? Like three million or something yeah, from the Jazz yeah. this year? Like yeah, heard, he, he could have made more in Europe, right? Yeah, for sure. I heard his second year isn't guaranteed either. Yeah, yeah. I saw right. He second year not guaranteed. There, I'm sure he's paying a buyout. So he's probably he's probably gonna pocket after taxes and everything. He's probably gonna make one million dollars i don't want to count that man's money but uh he definitely could have had he definitely would have walked away with three million and been the best player in europe and um and finabachi and probably would have won another championship
championship. But um, I saw him in the nightclub in Miami like, a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, bro, I'm doing whatever it takes not to go back to Europe. He's just, just tired of the practices and the hard, and the hard work. It's real demanding. A lot of people don't understand how demanding it is. So um, I'm happy for him that he went to Utah. Um, I think I think he's an NBA player. There's no reason for him to be in uh, in Europe. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but how much is it really? So if you're like one of these guys, like Decolo, Yule, Udo's a little different because he's American, or uh, or Teo. Like, how much does it really take? to like make it financially worthwhile for you to come to the NBA? Uh honestly, I thought it it takes it takes a lot, especially um especially with this new EuroLeague. Uh it's just so much competition, it's so fun. It's you're the man in your city. You know, guys like Yule and Milos and Nando, you can't they can't even walk around certain certain places in Europe and they're going to go to the NBA and and have a significant dec- decrease in their role, but when you get the money that that you that you think you get off the court, and you know Nando had an Adidas um, a contract that he could have got that he couldn't get for uh, for uh, playing for Cheska, and he actually he, Cheska actually told him that he's going to get it, and he signed the Cheska, and he couldn't get it, so he probably lost a lot of money there. And Teo signed with Peak, and he got a nice contract there, and then he got the contract for uh, for um, the Clippers. I think that money right there, and the less practices and demanding on your body, it made it it made it real easy for him to make that decision. So you so you think actually NBA is less demanding on your body oh my than God. Europe is? Oh my God, 110, 100%, 100% is no such thing as 110, but 100%. It's it's way the NBA is way easier than um, Europe, especially in the Euroleague level. It's um, we had I had Karolinko. I have I had a ton of NBA players on my team. You know, Nene Kristits, uh, Karolinko. Uh, who else? I had several NBA players. Sasha Khan, Victor Carapper, um, that just said that I had Corey Higgins on my team. He was in the NBA. They just, they just, yeah. they just look at, they just look at NBA as like the way they treat your body and players first. And when Europe, you have a game and you have a game in in Kazan, Russia, and then you got to fly all the way to uh, Madrid on on a plane that's that's not your own plane, and then you got to practice in the morning with tape, and then get ready for the game at night. It's just it's just too demanding on your body. Where in the NBA, you don't practice as much, and they take your body and they have ice baths and so much recovery that Europe is lacking right now. Yeah, so it's just it's really like the practices they get you. Oh my God, practice! So this what so you play so you have a game so you so you okay Monday is your day off. You practice twice on Tuesday. You practice on Wednesday tape. You practice Thursday tape. You play a Euroleague game Friday, so you only play thirty two games in Euroleague. So every game is like a final to, to get your seating. So you're playing as hard as possible Friday. Saturday you travel to whatever domestic to back to your country and play a domestic game on. Sunday and you, you got to shoot around Sunday morning and it's like a practice you got tape and everything and they going over drills and then you play again Sunday and then the day off is Monday so you have probably one day off you probably have three days off during the month and then the rest is just tape practices or games it's a nightmare yeah I well so what if you're because what if you're actually like playing you know 35 minutes a game 82 games like do you think that changes it at all uh, or is it you think it's still harder nah it's, it's still harder um, yeah but Milos Milos was Milos had a uh, Mateo he had a good relationship with the coach so he didn't practice much but guys like nando that played like 30 minutes you know he was he was practicing every day and you could see just his body all bruised up and i and i'm yeah. for sure i'm for sure if he didn't uh wow i'm for sure if he didn't uh have a um if he had a buyout this year he would have left and went to the nba too it just he's he got stuck and locked into a contract you know it's just it's, de- it's just so demanding oh that's that's really interesting yeah it's uh because i think like the popular perception would be oh it's easier in europe you're not playing as many games but uh oh, no. yeah and and 
it is like, and it's com- it's competitive in practice. You know, they got those old Yugoslavian coaches or Ser- uh, coaches that have been taught by Serbian coaches, and they just and they just all right one-on-one drills, uh, uh, back behind your bass, back behind your hand, sliding, sliding, stuff like that. Like you're in high school or college. It's like playing college. It's like great players in college. That's why I, that's why I say Europe is. Well, but. so a lot of people, like there's always this thought like, all right, if you're an American, you don't get drafted, whatever. You go overseas, you're making like, you know, three, 400K immediately. But like some Americans just like can't handle it in Europe, huh? Yeah, it's tough. Um, it's it's a, You could get in a situation where you're, you're in a tough city or you you have uh you have a tough coach who just practice a lot and you get homesick and you can get late in payments some payments don't some payments can be a month or two late um it, it can really be downing on a a player you know what i mean on a, on a, especially a young player i remember when i first got to turkey Antalya. um I, I i lived in a hotel for seven months and i was three months late with uh my paycheck and I, some days i wouldn't have it i wouldn't have wi-fi and i was just miserable i call my agent every day and say you know what man let's let's just leave and go to the d league and um I'm ready to take. I'm ready to take that route instead of uh, playing this route. Um, but f- um, luckily, uh, he taught me into staying. But it's it's tough. It will it will test you mentally. Why did you say? Uh, you know, my agent just beat it in my head. Like Aaron, if you uh, if you leave, you're gonna get that label where you left, and uh, no team, no no big club is gonna take you serious. Because I've seen the I've seen the team, the big teams while I was playing with the small team. I've seen the Fenerbahce's, the the Real Madrids, and I either felt like, all right, if I'm going to NBA, I want to play here. So I thought like, yeah. if I, if I left, I would lose that opportunity some kids don't see that it's just like you know man uh fuck this man this is i'd rather be with my family or <laughs> or i'd rather be home man, or, or this team doesn't understand like me being here i'm away from my family for for 10 months and i get my check two months later they're like man put me on that first play home and then they leave and it puts them in a situation where they can never it's hard to bounce back in europe yeah because no matter who you are really if you're someone out of college like they're not one of those big teams is not gonna just like pick you up no. like you have to like prove exactly what you're saying that you're not one of these people who's just gonna flake out and want to go back exactly I, I it's very rare that you see a, a first-time player on a big team on one of the the top six teams in europe you don't see that um they they watch you they watch you and they check everything out and if you uh if you see something if you see something they see something they don't like they really x you out um europe is really it's not it's really tough like that i, I don't like it i don't agree with it but um luckily i did i did the right way and i and i, I had a, a great career still having a great career so I am back from Vegas now and have really been looking forward to finding some time to cook some great home-cooked meals with my girlfriend with Blue Apron. Some of the meals available in July that I'm looking forward to, seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers, fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cubanelle pepper, anything with basil in it I am a sucker for, chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach. Blue Apron is a food delivery service, if you're not familiar with them, that for less than $10 a meal delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. It's totally flexible. You can customize your recipes each week and you can choose a delivery option that fits your needs. We get it once a week. We actually do meals for four for just the two of us. So we have some leftovers that we can eat the next day. Really enjoy doing that. The way to get started with them, check out this week's menu. Again, this is one of those ones. If you just go there, take a look at what they have available. Some of the meals are quite mouthwatering. You can get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash capspace. That's slash capspace URL. Of course, lets them know that you came from us. And it's easy to remember because we talk about Capspace all the time on the program. That's blueapron.com slash Capspace. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's talk a little more NBA. All right, so you mentioned Teo. Like, who else did you think? I'll give you some names here, like people I thought, like, 
should have gotten more. Patrick Patterson is one for sure. I was really surprised that he oh. only got like like five million a year, basically. He got five million a year, and uh, he was in Oklahoma City, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, that's tough. I thought he would get paid more. Um, it's, that money drew, uh, dried up so quick. But if you look at the Oklahoma City roster, it's, everything is plugged in the Adams and Cantor and and uh, and Westbrook and even even Robeson got a big thing. And they signed they signed Raymond Felton too, right? What was his contract? Did he get underpaid? He just got the minimum. He got the minimum? Yeah. But he, I mean, he's 33. That's the same. I mean, last year in like that crazy market, he only got the minimum. So I wouldn't have expected him to get more than that. Right. And what about Rondo? Rondo got underpaid. He's, uh... he's got underpaid his, he got underpaid his whole career. <laughs> I've seen him play for the Bulls this year. I hated him until I seen him turn it on in the playoffs. And I thought, I thought that he was going to um, get a nice contract. And plus, I like, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like Rondo as a, that much, but I think his whole career he's been underpaid. So I wanted to see him get a nice paycheck it's just, uh, like but, it's so hard to fit next to him though right like he's he's oh like God. Uh, like because he has to have the ball in his hands and he's not like that good of a score and then if you have anyone else who can score who wants to have the ball in their hands now he's like causing like spacing problems exactly exactly so i mean he's not i mean he probably they probably did the right thing with giving him that much money but i just wanted to see him get paid overpaid finally because i've seen so many other, play, other players get overpaid so i'm like why isn't rondo <laughs> ever got joe angle uh angles from utah's got overpaid why can't rondo get overpaid once all right, all right. so been. this is interesting actually so i mean i agree with you that's probably too much for him he's 29 like he's he's gonna it, it'll be uh by the end it's gonna be difficult but to me like he is the exact kind of player that like players like you always like underrate and i think <laughs> that you guys always overrate dudes like jamal crawford because like when you're like okay no. i'm playing like great defense on this dude and he hit the shot anyway that has like an outside effect like on no. players like trying to decide who's good no 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 oh, oh no 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 i don't i i i like jamal crawford if i was a starter team i would not I would not take him. I'll take Ingles over Jamal Crawford, honestly. Oh yeah, All right. I, I I think a lot of the GMs. Well, well you're the you're NBA, not in the same boat as Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers I, uh, cut Joe Ingles. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a, a lot of the GMs in the NBA are so. I'm not gonna say dumb because they got they just don't understand basketball. They don't understand that uh, a, a Joe Ingles or Patrick Beverly uh, or someone like Milos Teodosis, how much of an impact can they make their team better? And it, it doesn't. It, it, you don't have the splash look or the look effect that that J- Jamal Crawford has or or a Raymond Felton. Like I honestly think, okay, I'm in a situation where, and this is not being biased to myself. If I if I got to pick between Raymond Felton and Aaron Jackson, I'm gonna pick Aaron Jackson because Aaron Jackson will do the little things that will make the team go. And GM's like, okay, Raymond Felton, he's been in the NBA for such and such amount of times. Let him do this, or or let him let him do this because he's he has uh uh, uh he's a journeyman. He knows he knows what NBA like. But you're gonna get players like Joe Ingles. Like if you get from, if you go to Europe, like look how much of an impact is Joe Ingles is to you. Utah Jazz. He's a great player. Yeah. No, he's not worth that much money, but he's a real good player in that team. And so was Patrick Beverly. And NBA and NBA GMs just miss out on that one all the time. Yeah, they, just they having want... someone who will move the ball like immediately exactly. when they if, get it. Like okay. either make a quick decision. Yes, and, and Joe Ingles does that all the time. He he has George Hill and he has he had Hayward on his team. He's not gonna be he's you're not gonna sign the, the player that averaged twenty in Europe that needs a dribble all the time, blah blah blah. Like like Andrew Goodlight needs a dribble all the time. You're gonna sign someone like uh Joe Ingles, he's gonna make the skip pass he's tall enough to make the jump pass on the pick and roll and and he's gonna help he's gonna help Hayward and Hill and Hill job much better and make their job easier but a lot of NBA gyms don't see that yeah so some do I mean I think it's better than it was like 10 years ago for sure I think like yeah. people understand like the effect that that shooting has 
guys. I mean, it, so it is interesting though. I mean, for example, like Sergio Rodriguez came over last year. Like he was a little disappointing to me. Like you, I'm sure you played against him yep. a ton. Like, did you think he was going to be good last year? Um, but I think he's an unbelievable uh, pick yeah. and roll point guard. And 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 the Sixers aren't a pick and roll team. They're scrappy one on one team that plays hard. That's going to cause mismatches. That's going to speed up the offense. Sergio Hugo, Sergio Rodriguez is a hundred times better pick and roll player than TJ McCollin. But TJ yeah. McCollin fits perfect for that offense because he's going to move the ball. He's not going to use a pick and roll. And if you use a pick and roll, he's going to refuse the pick and roll and go the other way and kick it open, which plays yeah. fast ball. And you put you put Sergio Rodriguez on a pick and roll team. Let's say who's a pick and roll team in the NBA? I don't know. I say the Bulls, or you you put him more, or, or he'd be the backup point like guard with for some Russell more Westbrook. some more spacing. Yeah, yeah, he'd be the backup point of Russell Westbrook. Sergio Hugo is going to have a hell of a year, and then Russell Westbrook is going to play the two a lot but you don't you don't you don't do that because the Sixers had no idea what they were going to do with their team they just said okay he's a good player so let's bring him you know what I mean and they gave him eight million dollars for it and he he didn't play as well as, he, as he's supposed to and he went back to uh, my former team Cheska and he's going to play pick and roll with them all day and he's going to be a, a, a hell of a player um who else do we need to, is there anyone else we need to talk about like for uh for potential like NBA guys oh what about uh Bogdanovich uh Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich yeah we, we how's he gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be he's in a that's all right you pause that's all right we could just move on we know we know he's in a struggle he's in a struggle in the NBA I think he's in yeah. a struggle in the NBA they paid him a lot of money which is maybe a good sign because they might give him the ball a lot because he needs the ball but they have Fox they have George Hill they got Zach Randolph he's, healed they got healed as well like yeah they have, but he and he needs he needs to be the man of the team he needs to be the guy that gets the ball and come off of, come off the Spanula's uh, pick and roll and 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 such like that I thought I thought that uh Sacramento adding so much pieces was the worst thing for him to go there where yeah. he's a good player but a lot of people are going to say he's a bust or he's not good enough when he really is it's just that he's he, he got drafted well he got picked up into a tough situation with those type of players I always thought of him as more just like a spot up guy like a come off a of screens kind of guy but it sounds like you're saying he could do more with the ball in his hands he, he's a he's a pick and roll he can play pick and roll he can he can read the pass but uh he's not he's not he's not a great pick and roll player i like it's like the other bow down for uh um, yeah for, what did he just what he's, he, he's on the pacers now he's on the pacers now which i i wish the wizards would have kept him because i wanted the wizards to be good but he played they both played for the same team both of them just played for the same team in europe uh Fenerbahce, and they both had a similar ways and, and Bodanovich is if you watch him in um his national team for Croatia he pick yeah. and roll he pick and rolls the shit out of the ball he's a real good pick and roll player and he doesn't do that in the NBA how's his defense uh Bogdan Bogdanovich oh my god he's a real good defender seriously yes wow, okay a real I, I never seen, I haven't watched him except in the Olympics really yeah but, uh, when I when I remember I remember when I first get to Cheska I my, my teammate Sonny Williams Sonny Williams was was having a damn near all-star I mean he was all Euro League for sure he, I thought he was going to be the MVP and I remember Bodanovich being I want to say 22 years old a, a young player that didn't have that didn't, that didn't get the role he had now and he was just a defensive player because the coach is all about defense when I mean Sonny Williams couldn't get by him couldn't do anything he was taking the ball from him picking it going down the court dunking it he's one of, he's one of the best defenders in Europe that, that's probably the underrated people don't understand about him which he which he would play good defense in the NBA too all right, that better be true because I, I I'm gonna now I'm gonna 
gonna start saying that he might actually be good. So this he's, is my reputation. <laughs> he's a real good, good well, defender. I mean, yeah, I mean, because he, I mean, you know, like what the stereotypes of like, especially when it's someone who can shoot and they're yeah. white and like yeah. they're not like an incredible athlete. You're like, all right, well, yeah. how is this dude like a good defender? Oh yeah, like Milos Teodosis and Sergio Rodriguez. They're the, they're awful defenders. Awful. <laughs> yes, but he's he's a he's an exceptional defender. Yeah. Well, so you your team is with Milos. Like, would he just admit that he's like not a oh, good my. defender? The first thing, the first thing he he texted me uh, when he signed when he signed with the Clippers, he said, uh, "I told I, the first thing I said to Pat Beverly was, um, I'm glad I signed with you because you're gonna play defense for the both of us.' And he, <laughs> he's 100 percent serious. He's gonna let you know. <laughs> or if so, someone someone goes by him in the game and gets a layup and he jumps and misses, he goes, "Ah, Jack, I almost had it. One more one more inch, I almost had it. And stuff like that." <laughs> in the middle of a game, he's saying this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he he let you know that he's he's playing bad defense. Who do you like? So when you're overseas, who who do you really like? Think it does like a good job in NBA media? Like who do you enjoy like reading or or like podcasts or anything like that? O- other than me, who you just found out about like a week ago? But I know, right? I listen to Bermani Bermani Jones a lot. Um, I listen to uh, Ryan Ryan Russo. Listen to Ryan Russillo and those guys a lot. Oh, yeah, Russillo is good. I, I like. I wish he would do more NBA stuff. He was on Zach Lowe's podcast like a couple days ago. Uh, so you're also an enormous Seinfeld fan. Although I have to say, I was appalled at your choice of a favorite episode. But you could tell the listeners what that is. Oh uh, my, uh, my favorite episode is the uh, <laughs> the werewolf episode when uh, he when, uh, Jerry <laughs> when Jerry shaves his his chest and he goes on a date with a girl and then the moon comes. <laughs> he act like he act like he turns into a werewolf. Well, oh, maybe I, I, I want to tell him why are you appalled? Because Kramer Kramer steals a bus uh, and act like and act like he's a tour guide. He takes he takes random citizens on the tour of New York I, and just scare I, people. It's hilarious. I I I, I mean you know I'll, obviously all of them go. Just two reasons I was appalled. One of them was uh, it evoked uh, an incident that I had in my youth, which we don't need to discuss oh, yeah. any, <laughs> any any further uh, on on this podcast, but. But secondly, uh, how is it not the contest? Like you, as a competitive person, like you, you weren't like interested in, in seeing that. Like that to me is like the obvious. That's the obvious one. Oh no, the contest. Which one is this? The, who could like go the longest? Oh hold yes, out the longest. <laughs> and they see the girl naked across the street, and Kramer walks out the yeah. door immediately. Yeah, and then he <laughs> returns. I timed it once. He returns in like I think it was like thirty-four seconds, and like slams. <laughs> His money he slams the money on the, the table. Con- I'm out. I'm out of the contest. <laughs> No, you seen the one when they uh they can't uh when you don't have sex and you become smarter or you become the opposite of what you are and uh oh yeah oh that George, one is, that one is fucking fantastic that's yeah. that's hilarious George becomes a, a of course a, absolute a zero <laughs> <laughs> and then and Lane becomes dumb oh that's oh, yeah. awesome yeah, there's so many of them. I, yeah. I literally watch them every night I go to sleep on them yeah no I I'm uh I love Seinfeld for sure that's yeah. my either that either that or like the early the early Simpsons is uh oh yeah. Yeah, of course. We I was I was just talking to one of my friends that like like the Simpsons and Seinfeld and shows that you don't really have a substance about it. You can just make it timeless and just go forever with it. Well, because like you know every line that's coming if you've watched them like a billion yeah. times, so it's like you could just kind of go to sleep to it or like 
zone out, do something else. It's like a happy, happy background soundtrack. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I do. I use All right, this. My- this is a little more, uh, I guess, uh, abstract. So, like, a lot of fans will probably wonder, like, all right, these dudes are making hundreds of thousands of dollars in Europe, or mi- millions of dollars, or they're making incredible amounts of money in the NBA. Like, how is it that like some basketball players like are unhappy? You know, I mean, and like, I'm sure you've encountered like plenty of teammates at the time who were not happy. Like, how is it possible? I mean, because like I understand this, but I think a lot of fans like don't get like how you could be unhappy when like you know you're being paid money to play a game like that's what you hear all the time it's it's them being a competitor you know you you, you're in the nba right every nba player has been the man or been somewhere they felt like they're the man and and their stage before getting to the nba i mean the lebron james the lebron james and the Chris, I mean, not a Chris Pauls, but the Kevin Durant's, they're happy. I don't want to say they're not happy. Okay, maybe they might, they don't want a championship, they're not happy, but they're happy playing basketball, getting paid millions of dollars. Yeah. But, you know, the players like, you can see DeAndre Drif- Griffin or, or DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin sometimes, even a Kyrie Irving that's not happy because they want to be that guy sometimes. And they know that they have a player better than them getting the shine, getting all the questions, getting all the, the love from social media, got Rihanna coming to the game. So them, they want that too. And they feel like if you're with a certain player or you're with a certain teammate you can't get that so that's why some people say um you could be you could you could not be happy trust me that can make you not happy especially if you're, if you're a competitor you know what i mean i mean it, it's kind of the human condition right like if you yes. have the shittiest house on the best block in beverly hills you're gonna yes. be pissed off because everyone right around you has like a better house than you or there's someone on your team who, who's making more money i mean and like for me too like this is like a dream job for me to have like i lucked into this like i was a lawyer yeah. for a while and yeah you know like there are definitely like journalists who make a lot more than me i'm competitive i like this podcast to do well i try to like step back or remind myself like hey you know what like even if like my life never gets any better like it's still awesome because like awesome. i'm happy exactly. but like it's I mean, it seems like it's hard for a lot of people in like any walk of life to do that it is 100 it is it's just it's, it's just i think it's just human nature you don't want to say competitive it's just the human nature and it's hard for us to to sit back and think okay this dude's making millions of dollars and he's angry you know what i mean it's just it's just how it is, and um, I think fans fans shouldn't, uh, shouldn't or not fans or people pe- spectators shouldn't think that it's like, all right, this guy's ungrateful because I'm sure he's going he's going to sleep or she's going to sleep at night. Thank you for the opportunity to have. Well, so when you've had teammates, I'm sure you've had them on the various teams that you've played on, like who who were unhappy. Like, what would usually be like a reason why? I mean, were they just like people who were just like that, or were they not playing enough, or like what was what were like the reasons why um, you, you would see them not be that happy? I've been there before. Um, yeah. I've been there plenty of time. I played with, uh, like I said, uh, Teo, and he he was in a situation where he never ever practiced because he had all the leverage. He knew he was going to go to the NBA, or Chess was going to was going to give him. $3.5 million a year to stay and they want him because he was the best point guard in Europe and he had said you know I don't want to practice today he wouldn't, he wouldn't practice or and I'm out there playing as hard as I can practicing every day doing all the right things and I'm I score six straight points and then I get taken out for him and then I don't I don't see the court for another 12 straight minutes or four or 14 straight minutes until the second half so it's just that that, that can control that, that controls a lot because you know as some some people just get things easier than you and you and they look at 
at it as a bad way. Other players look at it like, you know what, I'm a better defender than him, and he's getting more shots than me. And his man, okay, he scored 20 points, but his his, his man scored 18 points, where I can score 12 points, and my man will score four. It's just that that's that's just the game it is, and I don't even want to think about manager because I, I know I won't be able to manage it being a coach. So the coach has just as hard. Well, so you so you have thoughts like that, right? So like, what's your internal dialogue? What do you say to yourself to like calm yourself down and like get back into like being like a productive teammate? Um, you know, my, my whole, my whole motto, my whole motto is just stay down, you know, stay down until it's time to come up. Cause at the end of the day, if you're going to be professional, you're going to keep on working hard and you're going to do the right things. And okay, you can, you can, you can bitch about it personally. You can bitch about it to yourself in your head. As long as you don't become a distraction to your teammates or your team. At the end of the day, I think you're going to, you're going to come up when the time is right. They're going to, you're, that your number's gonna get called, and if you and you stay and you stay in the right course, you better you better be ready to take take full advantage of it. Wait, so what if if someone says to you, "All right, so you're kind of feeling upset for whatever reason," and someone says to you, "Hey, you know what? Like, we're paying you X amount of money, like, to play this role. Like, we're not trying to hear you bitch right now. Like, is that persuasive to you? To if someone says that, or is that just like gonna piss you off more? That's gonna piss me off more. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're paying me X amount. You're paying me X amount of dollars because you saw what I'm. Capable capable of doing and i got here because what i what i did before and if you say just shut up i'm paying you money i don't i don't care about what you used to do anymore it's just like all right then then why even give me this money you sign someone else that can do this and and that and then no and no no nba no gm or no no coach to say that to a, a player like that it, best thing is to say is listen it's tough to coach um you're gonna have your ups and downs but don't act i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and tell you you're never gonna have a chance because you're always gonna have a chance especially in, in sports and in life you go your, your, your opportunity is gonna come and if you the people that people that don't um, benefit opportunities, people that, that get distracted by it or let the uh, let the miss the mislap that they're in right now um, distract them all the way, and they and they, they miss the opportunity. Because I think, like, you know, again, that's probably, like, what, like, a lot of uninformed fans will say, like, hey, you're getting paid this, like, you know, you need to be quiet and deal with it. Um, yeah, like, right, Kyrie, last, Kyrie yeah. is not happy. You know yeah. what I mean? He's not happy. He's getting paid what? He got signed to a five-year yeah. contract. He got picked up. It was the max at that time, an extension. But he's not happy there. He, he got he got the, he was had the fastest selling shoe when LeBron James came. Before he was he had a shoe, and LeBron James came, and um and uh now it's the fastest selling shoe. He won a championship. Uh, he's he's traveling all across Europe and Asia promoting his shoe, and that's just not Kyrie. I mean, it's LeBron to do with it too, and and he's not happy. So it takes. It's it's just it's not just the money and all the other things. You want to build your own empire, and he sees that he has a chance to do it. So he wants. So that's what happens there. Well, it's interesting too because certain things are more important to certain people, right? Like we've been held out as like, all right, this the point of this sport is to win basketball games and to win championships, but it's also to like actually feed your family and and be happy. And like for some people, like it doesn't surprise me that for some people, like all right, I want to just be on like the most winning team, like David West. Like, what was your reaction when David West gave up like twelve million bucks to go to San Antonio for the minimum? Uh, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought David West was crazy doing that. Um... Well, well, what if you already has 60 million right like, does it really make a difference if you have like 60 and 70 million or i mean after taxes oh. it's half that but you know like is it, is it really that much of a difference at the end of your career if you have another five million if you already made 50 
no, it's not. It's not a difference. Um, he he's played. He's played a lot. He's played on teams where he lost. He's played on teams where he got yeah. to the Eastern Conference Final. And he he probably got sick of that taste of losing. He was like, you know what? I want to win a championship. And he did it. And he went to the Spurs. He didn't do it, but he won with the uh, the Warriors, of course. But uh, me uh, me personally, I haven't. I'm not at that age where I'm willing to take a pay cut. I'm at the age where I need to get as much money as I can get. Well, thank God I won a Euro League championship. So I, I thought yeah. it was crazy. But at the end of the day, if you ask him right now, I guarantee David West would say it was worth it all because he played with one. He played with a great team. That team's gonna be remembered forever. Yeah, like Jerry West. You know, he he talks about like oh, I'm still haunted by like all these finals that I lost. You know, 50 years later or whatever to the Celtics. Uh, but some people, uh, you, you you don't buy that. He he has a championship, right? Uh, he they won one in 1972. He, he's won one. He he just signed a what ridiculous? How much did the Clippers give him? They're giving him like so, I think the reports were like four or five million a year. He's like yeah. he's like 80 years old. He's living a life. He won two championships with the uh, as being the president of the Warriors or GM, wherever it is. Um, I'm sure he's haunted when he sees the the uh, that that thirty for thirty or was uh, that haunts yeah. him. But <laughs> you win one, trust me, it's it's worth you. I I won one. I lost four Final Fours, and yeah. that one that one overseeded all the losses I had. I can I can lose four more and then and then win another one. I was just like, you know what? It's it's just worth it. Yeah, that's good to hear actually. Like cuz I I always wanted like cause for me, like the reason I don't gamble is because like losing hurts me way more than winning, right? Like it's, I would rather lose. <sighs> I would rather if I lose $100, I'm yes. like this is way more pain than like the joy the, I get from winning $100. Exactly. I it's always like that. And I'm, I'm a gambler and I could win $500 and I'll just be, you know, happy or whatever and I just go ahead of my business if i lose 500 dollars, i'm sick i can't sleep i'm thinking about it well you know i mean i don't know like i've never had that mentality but like i'm just like why would i want to participate in a system that is designed to take my money and then when it takes my money i'm like you fucking knew that if you did this you're gonna <laughs> lose money you're so stupid hey man I'm, I'm gonna go gamble i'm gonna go gamble in a couple of hours actually i'm gonna tell you that <laughs> after i saw you i went to gamble i was up 1200 and then i put it all in my hand i remember going to the next day i went to go gamble again i had like i had like three thirty thirty three hundred in my hand i went to gamble i lost that in minutes in front of my friends and they're just looking at me and some kids are just looking at me some of my friends not not a situation i am and they just look at me ready to throw up they can't even watch it no more i'm just i'm just losing disgustingly like five hands in a row seven hands in a row and then i take more money out and i lose again i lose another thousand i take another 500 out i was down five thousand and literally i couldn't sleep i was sick we all like here we going out i went straight to the room i didn't talk to anyone and then the next night i took out i took i went to don't tell don't tell no, her gam- I do this. gambling is really fun it's great <laughs> no do. That, please do not gamble it's <laughs> it's gonna make you sick especially losing and you're never you're never gonna ever win more than you lose so it's not worth it well at least like championships it sounds like at least for you like don't work that way like you you at least nah. get like more more joy out winning than you get like pain bro, pain bro you can tell me i'm gonna lose you can tell me i'm gonna lose two years in a row in china and then win one more my, my third year i'll I'll take it i'll take yeah. it that, well and at least that, you're getting there right like you're yeah. like cause if you're not getting there at all and you're just like your season's done you're not even making the playoffs like that's uh oh yeah yeah I, i'll take a pick up for that i'll take a pick up to go to a better team for that you yeah. know what i mean I'll, i understand that they're west or anyone that place if i'm just if i'm just orlando magic i'm just collecting the 
a check and I, I want to win. I want to play in in June. Um, if I made enough money, I'll take a pay. I'll take a pay cut for sure. I, I like that that team Orlando Magic. They they might be like the most hopeless team right oh, now. As God, like when are you... they going to get back to like being good? Oh man, if you I can't. I'm I'm glad that we follow each other on, on Twitter now. If you see some of my tweets about Magic, I mean about Orlando Magic's GM and certain GMs, it'd be it's hilarious. I kill. I kill. I'm like I, I tweet them. I at them sometimes. Like, what are you guys thinking? Magic. <laughs> I don't know what I, I, the magic. What, why, why have you not gotten an NBA job yet? By the way, just <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting. I, I, I'm gonna get an NBA job. Don't worry about it. It's just I'm talking about like in the in the, in the office. Um, yeah. I was scared. I was scared about the Lakers job because um, I I was I was real close to signing with the Lakers this summer. Oh yeah. And, and I thought I thought about like just disabling my 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 Twitter because there's been times where I just hammered Magic Johnson. I, I hammered. Uh, I mean, well, I, I had the same problem. Like I've interviewed for a couple of NBA teams and teams that I, uh, you know, all right, I just uh, gave your off season a negative grade. Uh, hey, you, <laughs> <laughs> it, it never it never came up. But who? I mean, you know, I, a couple of them never got back to me. Maybe that was the reason. Yeah, maybe know, they, maybe they saw it. Like this guy Nate just said we got an F and we suck. So maybe that's like yeah, we're not giving this guy a job. I, I would be a little more equivocal than that. I at least at least when like they do dumb shit, I try to at least like lay out the reason of like all right here's what i think they were thinking and like all right i disagree with it but i'm at least like try to like i at least try to like talk to people in that organization should be like all right you know like i like, want to present your side of it at least like every like every bradley you you know why why they uh they trade they traded every bradley oh yeah all right so so this is this is what their rationale is you tell me whether you think this is a good reason or not uh number one he i mean there's just just this is mostly me surmising but some conversations you like number one he was going to want like a massive contract after next year and he was just going to be an unrestricted free agent right i mean so and then they had to trade basically one of crowder smart and bradley and smart will be restricted next year so they could keep him so he's the biggest flight risk number one number two he was loving like basically being the second option and so he wasn't as cool with hayward coming in especially in a contract year when it's like you know he's not gonna be able to score as much now and you know obviously they needed to move the salary too so like out of out of those three guys what do you think of that and you know marcus morris is under contract he's a good player he's under contract yeah, he for two more he's not as good as avery but you yeah. know at least you get something when you had to make a move um and, and you know they could probably trade marcus morris too for something else like they got a lot yeah. of a lot of wing players so it, it, does that explanation hold any water yeah, for you yeah, i think it yeah I, th- I was thinking about I, th- I thought about it too like the more of the uh the money wise but um i think it's definitely better that way and for are they going to keep crowder do they have enough money to keep crowder he's under contract for three more years still he's only making like seven million so they'll oh, be they fine with cheap. that they got him real yeah. cheap no that's like yeah. one of the best contracts in the nba for anyone who's who's not a superstar yeah exactly and did you see the whole quote about uh, uh what's the guy from toronto that got traded saying they didn't they didn't pass oh demari carroll yeah demari yeah. carroll and he went what can they go to uh they salary dumped him basically to the nets for your boy uh justin hamilton who then got waived and uh will now be playing with you hey, what's uh mccarroll's contract he's being in like 15 million the next two years he's making 15 million in the next two years they sign it you they sign him to like uh four years 60 in the summer of 2015 
Wow, man, that's love. Well, I mean, he was uh, he was good back then. Like, if he were, I think like his knee being fucked up has like kind of been the mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, that hurt them too. And and can and can Melo can the Rockets afford Melo if he goes there? I don't think like someone asked me about this the other day. I don't think so because he um, like they basically have to trade Ryan Anderson to make the math work. Mm-hmm. And well, so let me ask you this. All right, so let's say they have to give up two first round picks to get off of Anderson's money. He's making twenty million in the next three years, right? Is, would you trade two first round picks to get Melo at this point in his career with all no. the other guys they have? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that so that's why it's difficult, right? They gotta get someone to take Anderson and they have to give up some assets to get him to take him. And then the Knicks probably wants to get something back too. So it's like at some point it's like, all right, Melo isn't worth all this. Exactly. And, so, and Portland has what, the highest cap? Yeah, Portland's like pretty close. They're the Warriors and Cavs, I think, will probably are over now, but they're Portland is like pretty deep in the tax. They're like twenty million over over the uh luxury tax right now or something. That's that's crazy. That's like yeah. It was uh well that was one of the not that, that I interviewed with them but they're they're one of the off seasons we were uh we were not as high, not as high on uh <laughs> last year what were we talking about before that actually i had i can't remember what it was that i wanted there's one other thing i wanted to ask you uh, but i can't remember right about... now because because you wanted to just start killing killing the magic why'd you start killing the magic oh yeah because you're like all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna pay uh can you get more money oh, yeah. um yeah, or, or you, you would give up money to to go to a better team um yes exactly oh yeah so this is what it was we were talking about a couple of people who you know could go over to the nba and you're like well you know he might struggle in the nba because he's not really an nba guy from a locker room standpoint like what does that mean uh you're a, you have a quiet personality um you can be in a situation where you don't talk to your teammates um nba is Okay, there's a lot of individuals, but there's times where you see them all taking pictures, you see them time all dressing fashionably, and you see them all goofing and making jokes and stuff like that. They have a lot of fun. But there's there's players in Europe that that don't really have much fun, and and they're the guy on their team. They're the guy in the locker room. They're the leader in the locker room. And in the NBA, it's just that's just not happening. There's some times where I see coaches. Some of my some of my coaches say they want to coach the NBA, and I'm thinking like the way you talk to us, you talk to Carmelo like that, or <laughs> Kenya Martin, you might you might get mushed in your face and saying get the get the fuck out of here. Who are you talking to? So yeah, it's just, it was actually uh, Dean Demopoulos did did a uh, a segment for us at Sports Business Classroom. One of the things that he was saying was when he was in college, like the players were looking up at me, and then when I was in the NBA, like the players were looking down at me, and like that's the challenge that he wanted. He wanted the the challenge of like trying to get people who are going to look down at you, like that's their default. Of, yeah. Like all right, to like to really like buy in. And, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like uh, a lot of European coaches necessarily have that approach because they feel like the club has the power, like most of the time. Yeah, yeah they that's that's your that's European in general. It's the it's the club and the coaches that they're their first priority, and and they let it be known. In the NBA, you know, it's the it's a players' league, and if you don't you see something that, you see something that Carmelo doesn't like or LeBron doesn't like, you're out of there. You see David Blatt, he's going, he's an excellent coach. Yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned your Twitter, by the way. We need to get you some more Twitter followers. I, I was uh I was appalled yeah, that you man. only had like like five thousand followers like yeah man I'm not I'm not I'm not that uh the, but the people that follow me they uh it's all about it's all about quantity not quality I got I got some good followers and I follow good people and it's a good group but yes yeah. I'll, I'll take I'll take more uh followers. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you got to start getting those sponsored tweets out there. Like, build, yeah, build no, the man. brand a little bit. Man, yeah, exactly. Well, you actually, if you're going to be in China, what is it? Like, Weibo now? You have to get, like, some followers on, on Weibo. Isn't that, like, the yeah. Chinese uh, the Chinese Twitter? Yeah, exactly. I just talked to uh, my um, the CEO of the team, and I'm going to go meet him in San Francisco for a couple of days, and we're just going to work on all that to get ready to, to build our brand. You know, I'm going to end up being... I'm gonna end up being a real asshole and just put myself all over there, all over the, all over the billboards. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, I I included Aaron's uh, Twitter handle in the show notes if if you all want to follow him. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on soon. This was tremendous fun. Yeah, you guys follow me. I'll follow back, and um, I'm sure I'm gonna give you guys a lot of things to laugh about or to even think about. And sometimes I even say sources says that someone's going here. My agent tells me things and I leak it. So it's between me and you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, I would say you're like your your Twitter feed. I would describe it as like a more profane Andre Guadala. Yeah, kind of like and maybe a little bit less cryptic because he loves like doing that shit. But like, actually, in the summer, I'm drinking too much and having too much fun to to use my Twitter as much. But once it comes to September to uh, March, it's it's shots fired everywhere. All right, man. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll have you on again soon. This is great. Uh, right. Catch you again. I Appreciate for having me. Before we move on, this is from our friends at 5-4 Club. I have always loathed going to the store to shop for clothes. If you want to avoid getting something at full price, now you've got to go to that sale rack. You know, the sale rack that has a bunch of different mismatched stuff on it. Maybe if you're lucky, it's organized by size. And you just have to go through by every single item because, of course, they're like jammed together on this rack. You can't even see them until you like look at each individual piece. You might get a couple of deals, but you just spent three hours. 5-4 Club is taking that pain point away each month they send you a curated box of two to three items that are handpicked to match the current season and your style you can fill out a profile when you start with them it'll give you the option of going for a more classic style all the way up to something that's a little bit more contemporary or, or zany they know what they're doing so if you don't that's okay they will help you build your wardrobe one month at a time you get 120 dollars worth of clothes for just 60 dollars a month and you can pause or cancel anytime with no commitments another advantage with them you can receive up to 50 percent off items in their online shop and you can access exclusive members only items free shipping and size exchanges in addition to what they're sending you every month so if you want to get started with them go to five four club.com you actually spell out the numbers f-i-v-e-f-o-u-r club.com right now enter that promo code cap space and they'll give you 50 percent off your first month's package plus free pair of sunglasses as well that's 50 percent off your first package at 54 club using that familiar promo code cap space which we talk about all the time of course on the program just go take a look at some of the clothing that they have if it's the type of stuff that you like that's a great reason to give them a shot and save yourself a ton of time and a ton of money by getting Getting items at 50% off or more. Once again, that's 54club.com, promo code CAPSPACE. All right, now we're going to get to a little bit more of our Summer League prospect review. Had to break off from that to record with Aaron, but we're going to at least get to the Clippers, Lakers, and Memphis. The Lakers, obviously, probably more interest in them than any other Summer League team, of course. But now that we've teased that, let's start with the LA Clippers. One thing I wanted to note before we started, KP actually updated his research on the predictive power of Summer League stats and he found generally that rebounding assists and block rates translate pretty well 
uh steals turnovers and shooting percentage don't have as much predictive power uh, so we're going to try to as i think we generally have done so far keep that in mind you know if a guy was just red hot from three and wasn't doing much else you know take that with a grain of salt if he's rebounding blocking shots distributing maybe it's something you can give some more credit to congratulations jack cooley but so yeah the, i mean the clippers are a team kind of in flux and i think we noticed that with summer league because they have some second rounders and then some kind of players on the fringes that were that were fascinating here and i thought the most interesting was one of their second rounders Cinderius thornwell who i'm not completely sure he's ready to be a rotation player yet but i still saw a lot to like yeah, he was a guy that coaches really like his mentality. Their coaches were happy with his defense as well in that first game that they played against the Lakers when they were getting lit up. He asked to be put on Brandon Ingram and did a better job than some of the people they had on him previously. Offensively, he was very much a mixed bag. He got to the foul line for 32 attempts in four games. He's very aggressive attacking the rim, particularly, but not really in pick and roll. It's really more transition, closeouts. If he can get the just a small seam in the defense, defense receive the ball with the defense a little bit unsettled whether it's transition or off of some action on the other side of the floor they swing it to him he can get to the room really well and he was able to draw contact in those situations but in some ways though he fits the profile of guys that we've seen be successful college scores not score as well in the nba where it's like a guy who kind of uses his big body is intense aggressive goes through guys but maybe doesn't have the athleticism to score in that same sort of fashion in the nba and fortunately I would, from my read on the situation, the Clippers can afford to be patient with him. It's not like they made this huge investment in Thornwell, so they have to throw him into the fire right away. But they can give him a year, see how it works out, and if he can develop a little more aptitude at making those situations, I don't think he's going to get to the foul line 32 times every four games in the NBA, or even if you scale that on minutes, just when you get into the better competition and the the increase in quality of big men and rim protection is, is very important, especially as guys get older and figure out what they're doing. But it was nice to see some signs. I, I believe he's kind of an older rookie, so that doesn't work necessarily in his favor. But I didn't sit there and think like, oh, he's so much older than everyone else. Yeah, his shooting, he was 15 of 39 from the field, only two of 13 on threes. The three ball did not look good for him, especially if he didn't have his feet perfectly set. He actually had some really bad misses. Again, only 13 attempts. And he did shoot 58 for 148 in college from three last season. So maybe he can get there. Is nothing really looking broken about his shot didn't have a ton of mid-range to his game but he's strong enough that i think he could be a solid defensive player and has quick feet is intense so i think he's someone who could maybe get into a rotation at some point in his career and considering that he was drafted in the second round you have to feel good about that as the clippers let's get to bryce johnson now what do you see from him i still don't love him i think that he's kind of a guy without a without a place in the current nba i, I don't love i don't love him defensively really at either big man spot and he doesn't bring enough offensively to put him on the floor in those kinds of circumstances so he'll either have to get a lot better from a from a skill perspective to take advantage offensively get a little bit more mobile so he can switch more or play in a, a league that is more aligned where he can where he has more advantages to use than the nba 
much of his success he only played three games was based on doing pretty well in the post he shot 57 percent from the field and he's able to elevate over guys in the post he can go to a turnaround over his right shoulder and he was able to create space kind of by like taking an extra step to the side as he would turn and face either for a hook shot or for a turnaround and still didn't get to the foul line a ton and that's something if you're going to be a post-up guy you really got to have that power move in your arsenal even if even if he has a smaller guy on him he, he wants to shoot you know a shot from 10 feet away or or eight feet away you know he's not getting in the room and getting fouled and the bigger issue of course is just that if posting up is his best skill it's unlikely that he's ever going to really be asked to do that against real nba defenders so he's got to have something else i think his jumper looked better i think he only took one three-pointer but i think i could see him getting out to three eventually i think that they see him really as more of a four than a five that's probably the case he showed a little bit in his ability to switch at times against you know again this is summer league can he do that against real nba caliber offensive players maybe not but there was i mean he definitely had about as good of a summer league as you could have hoped that he would he didn't do much defensively like blocking shots or anything um you know if he were like a guy i think of it as kind of like a backup dallas five you know maybe he could be kind of similar to like a dwight powell like maybe that's where he can find some success but he's still i think sees himself as an offensive player that's very much in his demeanor and while he can hit some jumpers and finish around the rim he won wants to post up a ton and that's just it's not going to happen for him in the nba unless he gets a lot lot better and that's not something that we see from most guys um did you see much of juan evans I did. I liked him. I see him more as a kind of a backup third point guard at this point, probably forever, just because to starters, especially now in the NBA, just have to pop so much more than he did. But he seems like a capable player, good head on his shoulders, you know, works reasonably well on defense, which you always hope for in a rookie summer league. But his shooting wasn't really there in terms of like basically one of the big elements at this point in the NBA is a point guard who can shoot kind of off the dribble in the pick and roll and I didn't see much of that from him but the other tools are there where if you you put him on the floor either in the G League or as kind of like a a stopgap in the NBA that he'll end up doing a decent enough job yeah I think I was pleased with what he was able to do in pick and roll I thought that he had 21 assists in 81 in in 87 minutes that's really good for summer league uh he gets on the defensive glass as well he does have physical limitations only 511 6'5 wingspan helps a little bit but a 711 standing reach I mean that's one of the absolute lowest in the nba at this point and he definitely looks like a small guy out there he likes to get all the way to the rim for his size pretty good finisher i mean he's not doesn't have the creativity of like an isaiah thomas type because basically no one has that and he doesn't even have you know that type of strength or bounce either i mean isaiah is a, is a unique player but he can get to the rim he's got a nice floater game which i liked and he can make the passes he's not really comfortable taking the nba three off the dribble yet I think maybe he can get there, but he's not quite at that point yet. But another guy who I think showed everything you really would like to see from him, except for maybe a little more shooting ability. So I, he had a nice summer league to me. Do I, I don't expect him to contribute this year, but maybe he's someone who could turn into a backup point guard down the road. And the Clippers are going to need players like that. They're going to need to hit. That's part of why their depth has been so shaky the last couple of years is that if they can hit on one or two late first, early second round picks, they'll be so much better for it because those are low cost base even though they're not going to have cap space in the near future anyway yeah and i also just liked his moves off the dribble too 
Like if he yeah. he had the ability to attack and transition, get guys on their heels within and outs and either go to a floater or get to the rim or force help. Uh, so I, I liked his game there. Montreal Harrell recently traded to them, only played one game. He just completely dominated it. Like the guys that the Bucks thought didn't play in that game, he was going up against like DJ Wilson and some other non-roster guys for the Bucks, and they were just not tough enough to handle him. He was just ducking in, getting whatever he wanted on the offensive glass. I mean, we're, we're he, he's a good enough player that we don't need to see him in summer league. He's got a record at the NBA level, but he looked really good in the one game that I think he probably just really wanted to play in, and, and so they let him. You ready to move on to the Lakers? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's start with the main event, Lonzo Ball. To me, Lonzo, while he sparkled a lot of the time, I think that he gave ammunition to the people who are his big supporters and his big detractors, especially early on, because he is a culture changer in terms of his passing. Like, it is special, and you su- you saw the way the Lakers ran the floor when he was playing and when he was sitting. I thought that difference was startling, and that's just the part of what he brings. But then the big question is, A, his defense is going to be a big problem early on especially, but who knows, moving forward and also just can teams when they get to the scouting report with him make it harder for him to be a scorer as a shooter yeah it really was uh, well so let me ask you this was he better or worse than you expected just overall his scoring was a little better than I expected but over everything else is pretty much the same I mean I've watched so much of Lonzo Ball that I didn't expect to be surprised and I wasn't well the good news is is at least at this level we'll see in the NBA but I suspect it will the passing translated the field translated the things that make him special were on display. I think he will already be a top five passer in the league the moment he steps onto an NBA floor. Some of the passes that he threw, I mean, just these like bombs, 70 foot bombs, outlets, hit ahead passes. I mean, he just throws a beautiful two hand fundamental chest pass that's got a lot of snap to it that just gets there in pick and roll. Even, and he improved at this throughout the week. He was able to get around the screen. And even if he's not necessarily a threat to pull up in mid range, he's able to just activate the big, go into him just enough to make him think all right i gotta guard this guy or he's gonna go right in for a layup and then throw it out and find shooters his ability to make passes on the move his entry passes are unbelievable oh, his entry passes were amazing like zubach thomas bryant like just i mean zubach has soft hands like there was one play where lonzo just was kind of like trapped in the corner had nowhere to go and just threw this pass over like three sets of arms to just find zubach rolling after he got trapped on the pick and roll and zubach just did like an, a beautiful little layup i mean it was just like you know a three-foot window he could have gotten the pass and it was just lobbed it up incredible i mean it's all the stuff that he was doing is really really outstanding and as you know i'm a i'm an enthusiast for guys that have a good instinct for velocity on passes and lonzo velocity and angles are both incredible so he throws hard passes when he needs to he throws soft passes when he needs to and it's at exactly the right line so that it'll be a catchable ball and be hard for other guys to get and that's like that's something actually that i think he's better at than Ben Simmons, who I really like as a passer, partially due to his height. But Lonzo has a he has a, a greater arsenal and a greater judgment for what to use when. And that's no doubt knocking Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is awesome. Like I had him number one last year for a reason. But Lonzo is special in all of those ways. Yeah, and, and for Lonzo, I thought that at times he showed more in pick and roll, more in ISO situations getting to the room. That first game against the Clippers when he shot two of fifteen, pretty ugly. Uh 
but because he really like wasn't even breaking the paint at all much less getting in the rim and scoring he did have that one crazy 36 point game where he hit a few shots he even was only still three out of ten in that game he really got to the foul line a lot got some layups i thought he did at least try to shoot a few mid-rangers that had been a criticism we saw that from him. it didn't necessarily go in that much uh i think his ability to get to the rim and finish he's kind of a one-trick pony in that regard where he's going to go up soft every time he's not going to go into guys and get fouled hopefully that's something that with his intelligence he can add to his game a lot of times too he just got his shot blocked in really ugly fashion I mean, basically his only approach here is to try to shoot a speed layup with one hand without putting his other hand on the ball or maybe he'll like try to do a quick double pump into a finger roll but there's no powerful finishes everything is kind of a finger roll it's a a soft layup and that's how you don't get to the foul line and there are probably three or four times where just he tried one of those he thought he was by the guy and uh no he's got to learn that he was not by the even sometimes it was like the on-ball guy another guard getting him on those plays the jump shot definitely was a struggle for him three of 20 five on jump shots off the dribble in the half court and then four of 14 on catch and shoots is not a ton better um and also in the pick and roll just generally when he was trying to shoot out of the pick and roll seven out of 33 but i mean his transition work was great what he was able to do for everyone else i mean this lakers team was just scoring a crap ton of points especially at the end of the tournament and they're putting up like a buck 10 buck 15 in like a 40 minute game so he was really having a huge effect one thing that i saw though watching him he just looked kind of soft to me just like in terms of like his physical he just not doesn't deal with contact doesn't invite contact doesn't try to use his strength you know he'll back down from guys i think do you see that from him as well i do and then you also think about that the way that he defends so he doesn't really battle through screens particularly well but he does get blocks but you think usually guys who get blocks they're more physical but most of his blocks are kind of like length and finesse catching up to a guy or surprising him yeah those sorts of things not just like annihilate or swallowing somebody up that's just not the way he does things but enough about ball how about the future greatest player in la lakers history kyle kuzma so kuzma it was funny because i was sitting next to pelton for a lot of the the lakers games which was a lot of fun the the thing that was most intriguing to me about him was not that he the fact that he made 48 percent of his threes which is ridiculous it's yeah, that and, he, and not only that but he got up 50 attempts and that's exactly where right? i was going because I mean, that's oh, okay yeah, yeah. that's Sorry, so fundamentally different no no that's that's exactly where I yeah. was going with it is that the willingness to shoot them is not something that I, I didn't I wasn't super familiar with him he went to Utah I didn't watch a ton of Utah this year and so I just didn't think he was going to do that I didn't think he had it in him and that would help the Lakers you know just being willing to shoot that I mean basically if you're playing in forward spots now you have to be in that mold unless you're just super special defensively and he was comfortable I thought that he had a little bit more off the bounce than I expected like just you know when when somebody came out after him especially once he started shooting and started making them then he was able to attack that it's kind of the same thing that Aaron Gordon's always needed to do and I thought you know Kuzma is obviously nowhere near the player that that Gordon is overall but that part of his game was way better than I expected for me it was really about some of the flashes that he'd shown in college because he really didn't even shoot many threes until I think is this last year which is his junior year as, as I recall and to get up this number of times he's helped by Lonzo there he's helped by getting out in transition so there are 
flashes of that were good. Obviously, he's not going to continue to shoot 48% on three-pointers, but he looked very comfortable taking difficult shots, had some versatility to his jumper. But then, yeah, the flashes as well off the dribble. I thought the 19 assists that he had was very, very encouraging. And that, you know, just driving kick type of plays, he was able to punish closeouts when guys started really going after that jumper to run him off the line. Defensively, though, I, I thought he could have been better. That's really, to me, is going to be the big problem for him is like can he defend stretch forward he doesn't really block shots that much he's got some athleticism but he doesn't really have a great defensive mentality how tough is he like those are the things that like if he can be this type of offensive player and give you something defensively now you've really got something right but if he's going to just be a sieve on defense and i mean we're talking a couple years down the road because as a rookie he's just going to suck we know that but i think that then they can really have found something but i mean for the 27th pick to go out averaging 20 a game and be this sufficient i mean they got to be really happy with it they do and that was encouraging also because we just didn't get to see that much from josh hart due to an injury and he was a guy who could have shined in summer league but we didn't get the opportunity i broadly like thomas bryant more than i expected he was a player who i was more familiar with in person because we saw him at adidas nations last year he was one of the college guys that came and so they were on the other courts and he didn't impress me that much in that setting but here i think some of it was also just playing with lonzo and running harder down the floor he looked better he looked more capable yeah he looked good in that first game against the clippers i didn't see much from him in the other lakers games that i watched he did hit an nba3 uh but he'll run the floor hard he likes to hit the offensive glass defensively there are certainly question marks in terms of his lateral mobility ability to protect the rim you know i mean if you're gonna play a traditional center like that having someone who doesn't protect the rim a lot it makes it a lot more difficult so i i didn't really see a ton that changed my opinion about him either way here so i I think we could move on to brandon ingram who only played one game before they sat him out with cramps i rewatched the film of that game before we came on because i remember being very impressed seeing it in person i was not as impressed actually watching the film he wasn't creating as much separation as i thought he was and he also just had like a ton of missed shots that you sort of edit out of your brain maybe more when you're watching him live and then you're like something oh, yeah, we had also all did with plays. donovan mitchell yes yes i think that's right but yeah i mean ingram at a basic level he just kind of popped in that setting he was one of the one of those guys who in the first quarter of his first game he just looked too good for summer league and he looks more capable to me with the ball in his hands and that was not a weakness of his last year but i think that he looked more comfortable his jump shot looked better but not all the way there you know like it's going to need to be pretty yeah. strong for him and yeah i mean you can't really learn anything about that no, based on no one game. i didn't even i don't remember watching his warm-ups too intently either so and that was the first day of summer league so a first day of vegas summer league so I, I think that he looked good but with him we're gonna need to see it in actuality because with the way that this looks like it's shaking out for the lakers he might end up being a key piece of their future like he's one of those especially now that they traded russell to get out of mozgov's contract like he is really kind of the, the swing piece right now in terms of whether he is a like a starting member of whatever the next great Lakers team is or whether he's kind of more of an ancillary piece and we'll have to find that out. 
Yeah, I still think that he's just not that great of an athlete. I mean, he's got great length, so he's able to make plays, but he doesn't really blow by guys. Uh, he One thing he has gotten a lot better at is using his body. He's gotten stronger. He's able to create space, go through guys the way you need to do in the NBA. So he's got that going for him. He's started to show some facility as well, using his length to kind of finish at odd angles under the rim. That's something that I think he's going to need because, again, he's not blowing by his guy. But to me, offensively is his fortunes are going to rise and fall with the jump shot uh and we don't know enough about that yet that obviously was a major issue for him in his first year and then defensively i don't really recall him doing a ton i mean whether he's going to be this great stopper defensively we haven't seen that type of ability from him yet again because you know he's not like the greatest quick twitch athlete in the world at least in this point of his career but for one game i mean you have to be happy with with what he did at least what'd you think of avicha zubac I worry about what he'll be at, as an NBA player just because so it, I don't think his defense when I watch him he wasn't impacting the game nearly enough on that end to see him playing regular like more than fringe rotation minutes on a good team that can get better he's still young but at this point especially a team with expectations I think that's more important so if that's the case or even temporarily permanently you have to be a really effective offensive player like that's the only way you can get on the court think about Ennis I, I don't think he'll be as bad defensively as Ennis Kanter but you could think about Kanter as a good example here like he's so great offensively that he still provides value and Zubac is not nearly at that level offensively yet there's a lot that I like with him as you said his hands are good his his touch inside I, I think it's kind of inside like eight feet or so I like it his jumper can be a little bit hit or miss but there's a lot to like. He's just going to have to tighten it up to be a part of a team with expectations. The Lakers aren't there yet, but they want to be there in a year or two. Yeah, he may not play that much this year. Maybe he will, but I thought it was very telling. Like, he wasn't even closing games in summer league. He would, like, barely play in the fourth quarter in most of these games. Like, they would go with, like, Kuzma at center and go, like, super small, even when Ingram wasn't playing. And that just shows you, a number one, that he wasn't, like, unbelievable. But number two, it's just so hard to be a player of his type and be on the floor at the end of games i mean he's just too slow and doesn't quite to me have the power game that you really need or the ability to elevate that can make him a great offensive player to make up for some of his defensive limitations yeah do you want to talk at all about alex caruso i think we have to yeah <laughs> not much he's out of texas a&m big combo guard type of guy but pretty short wingspan, only 6'5 wingspan. He's 6'5". He played actually in the G League last year for the OKC Blue. Shot 40% on threes there. I, mean, I thought that he's, maybe he could turn into like a really poor man's Kirk Heinrich someday. Like maybe he could kind of be like that kind of a player. Like, but, a, like a steward on offense who can catch and shoot and then defend actively when he's out there. And he's a smart player. He was one of the guys who was able to play off Alonzo, get some back doors, get out in transition. He helped that a, a fair amount. So, I mean, I hadn't heard of him at all. He was awful the first game, first couple games, actually. And then I think he, he started and scored like 30 points and then played well after that. Against the Kings. Uh, yeah, that was, that was play. the, yes. that was one of the, I mean, the Lakers had a series of the most entertaining games this summer league, but that one, the Lakers sat all their best guys against the Kings. And so it was this big disappointment. And then their backups ended up beating a Kings team that played, I think, four or five roster guys. And that was, might even been six. And that was, that was interesting interesting in that way Caruso led the way and I don't think he's going to score that that way in in the NBA but you know I, 
think he's a good value on a reasonable gamble on a two-way contract. I think that's better than giving him a full NBA spot at this point, just because he's going to need to prove it against a very different type of competition. But on a two-way contract, fine. Yeah. I mean, I thought he he uh, showed some potential. I mean, I think it's really his defense is going to be what's what'll keep him around. Josh Hart, you mentioned, didn't do much in the couple of games he played before an ankle injury. So we'll, I don't really have much to say about him. Let's get to the Memphis Grizzlies now. They played very well in summer league start with wade baldwin how much did you see of of him and what were your thoughts not a ton uh, I, I watched the Grizzlies a couple times. They're one of these kind of weird summer league teams that happen sometimes where they're a little bit more experienced than other teams. I thought that Wayne Selden was kind of the other branch of too good for summer league, kind of like Montrezl Harrell, where it's just like he has this figured out too well for summer league rather than he's just like so much better than everyone else. But Baldwin, I don't see how he can be a primary ball handler at the NBA level, at least for a while. Like that's just not what he can do, whether he can be off ball and work you know maybe i don't i don't think that's necessarily his offensive skill set either way I, I mean what is can you tell me one thing that he's good at right now no i can't that's bad maybe attacking in transition maybe that that would be one um yeah, but he, i don't i think... mean that's that's i'd say that's what he's best at but i wouldn't say that he's like really good at it at this point yeah his vision is i would say subpar for an nba point guard he didn't have that many assists and the ones that he did were very basic one pass away type of passes to guys that weren't even necessarily that open um he also just had some absolutely horrendous turnovers as well i did like what i saw from him at times defensively like for example when they played portland he was really getting into jorge gutierrez forced a couple of turnovers from him so maybe that's where he could start to make a name for himself a little bit but he's just and then his shooting he shot well on threes in college but he shoots like this set shot that doesn't takes him a long time to get off from nba3 and he's not really like a nuclear athlete he, i would consider him to be like kind of you know a solid athlete he's got solid size but yeah i was hoping to see more from him overall statistically he was not efficient so I definitely would be very surprised if he were a quality player in their rotation this year. So I kind of alluded to Wayne Selden. I referenced him earlier. And I, I my thought is just that he's kind of at a different place than some really. And so he looked good, but he's supposed to look good. Do you see it the same way or is it different for you? No, I thought this was very encouraging. I mean, supposed to look good. I mean, he's played like one game. Yeah, he did start. It was guarding Kawhi Leonard. I'm sorry, one, not one game, one season. Didn't really play much in summer league last year. I think he was dealing with a knee injury but i mean the ball skills that he had working at pick and roll being able to get to the foul line again that's a little bit illusory perhaps in summer league especially for guys another guy with like a kind of strong body type at the two like him but i mean i never would have thought he had the skills to get to a 29 percent usage rate. he also had 18 assists i think in six games that's for a guy of his ilk that that's pretty good working off the dribble and pick and roll able to get to the rim and then he took uh 33 three-point attempts in six games as well another uh, you didn't think of him as a quality shooter and he made 33 percent of those they weren't all easy attempts he had some big big scoring games i mean i think you had to be pretty impressed with him because the thought was that he wasn't going to be necessarily this type of player he's going to be kind of like a strong guy maybe he could turn into three and d and maybe that is uh, you know more of his ceiling in the real nba but i didn't think he even had the capability to score like this in summer league and, and so that was a, a refreshing turn of events for him so we could move on to deontay davis who last year was the highest paid second American born second round pick in history, NBA history. And my concern with him, like I, I his physical tools always intrigued me just because it seemed like he moved well for his size and everything like that. But I don't know.
know what he is as an NBA player, specifically defensively, but just I, I just I don't have a sense yet for where he where he fits into a rotation. I thought he could be a mobile center. And he had a few moments last year. There was one game at Utah, I thought, where he played pretty well, but obviously didn't play very much. He was held back by the plantar fasciitis and, and various associated issues there. His mid-range jumper looked good. Uh, uh, he was able to, it's a slower release, but he's getting out to long two range. He's comfortable from out there. He's got a nice touch around the rim. He'll get on the offensive glass. My big disappointment with him was he wasn't as explosive as I remembered him being. Like He was not really getting off the floor body wise he does not look great uh he's still not a ton of definition there and so he's got good length I, I think he can be a guy who could be sort of a mobile center on a second unit but I hope that he was going to be one of these real bouncy guys who could get up like for alley oops and stuff but I just I didn't see that level of explosion in front of him in summer league and I remembered him having more of that seeing him last year both challenging shots and uh, finishing around the rim yeah so I, I think I think that's a concern and I also so like you think about the other guys now that Zebo's gone that they're going to potentially need to step up in the front court especially if Brandon Wright is unavailable for moments of time which he seemingly always is Jarrell Martin didn't really thrive to me either and so those are the two guys where you want one of them to really fit into that role it, especially if Ivan Rab you wouldn't expect a, a straight rookie to do it and I didn't really love Jarrell Martin either yeah Martin 23 of 61 from the field he was 0 for 6 on three pointers he was playing almost exclusively at the four the hope for him would be he could have some stretch to him he could take bigger players off the dribble finish around the rim he's got a, a skill level compete defensively move his feet at the four and well he got some offensive rebounds he's not a rim protector at all he only had three blocks playing the four as i said so just i hope for him to find a way to be more efficient i mean I know he's another guy who's really had his career set back by injuries but this was i, I don't want to say it was a disastrous summer league but you hope that for a guy going into his third year to be a part of a rotation this is not what you want to see from him so yeah i mean memphis they've had this front court depth as a strength for a long time now and those were the two guys who seemed like they were most likely to fit in they could go small a little bit more if chandler parsons is actually able to play then they'll have enough wing depth that they can do some things differently and and I was also, I, I don't know, I was more mixed, like I was, so I say, more down on Deontay Davis and Drell Martin. Dylan Brooks showed me a little bit. I, I think that, you know, the idea of him being this reliable, like I think he was a 40% shooter from three at Oregon last year. I don't think he's necessarily that, but his jump shot's interesting, but also his athleticism is intriguing for for a guy who was taken as a second round pick. Yeah, he's improved his athleticism, to be sure. I mean, he's not a, a nuclear athlete, but he could get up for some dunks like he had a t nice tip dunk that I was impressed by streaky shooter takes some tough difficult attempts from downtown but he had one game where he was just absolutely on fire from three but then overall was six out of 17 on threes he came off the bench mostly definitely a really confident player likes to have the ball in his hands and the question is how much can he really do that at the nba level probably will get a lot of time in the g league this year i think he signed a three-year contract so he'll be around for some time now in memphis got a pretty significant guarantee on that as i recall so i mean i think he 
showed a little bit like he's a guy who can at his size who has some passing vision who can set up others who can score that is a slightly intriguing package he's got to get much better defensively that's going to be a big thing for him as well but this is he's a guy who while he has some tools the idea of him fitting into an NBA role if he's not going to be a guy who has the ball in his hands a lot that's where maybe the questions can arise and that's why he's going to have to hit basically all of his jump shots because if he can do that then provides more value as in those sorts of situations and a guy who I thought was going to be more of a factor as a catch and shoot player was Rade Zagoric who was another I think it was he was second rounder this year right wasn't uh, no, no, it was last, last year. year last year yeah okay. they traded that Clippers pick to get 31 and 35 last year so that's, that's how right. Boston has that that pick now that's right it's funny actually the last time we talked about this you had to remind me of that transaction so now because you had to remind <laughs> Turn about me it's fair play. yeah yeah only so, one of us can remember it at this at one time it's a very it's a very unusual quirk but so Zagorich is he I think he got a full guarantee for this year got what got kind of one of those contracts for second rounders where you know has runs for a longer time and in exchange for that got a guarantee for this first year and I thought he was going to be more aggressive at taking shots when they presented themselves he didn't necessarily look bad but I I that was sort of the thing that I thought he was going to hang his hat on and we just he only attempted what was it like 13 14 threes yeah and just generally I don't they had a lot of ball dominant guards on this team with Baldwin Selden Brooks so he was going to be Jarrell Martin took a lot of shots create a lot of offense so he was going to be in line behind those guys didn't do a ton I'd like to see him work on his body he's not a guy who has much in the way of muscle definition at this point his three-pointer is not like an incredibly quick release he can get up get to the basket off of one foot I did like just defensively that he seemed to be around the ball a lot and just to show up in places when there was a loose ball or to interrupt the play but you know that was just a, a small feeling a handful of plays that you saw that on but he seemed to have a nice intelligence to his game again not a guy you're gonna expect to see contributing much this season but he's got some tools at, at six nine so I wasn't I'm not as bothered by the fact that he didn't have like some great stat line and didn't shoot a ton this year given where he was on on this team and also he's 21 he'll turn 22 later this summer so you're not you're not sitting there saying oh he needs to kill it in this it's it's okay for it to take some time all right that'll do it for today thanks to my guest aaron jackson having him on was a lot of fun you can follow him on twitter as well that's in the show notes and thanks to danny for coming on also anything you want to talk about before we depart here danny yeah uh the real jam radio episode on so i did a tears with Adi joseph who's now for the win he used to be my editor at the sporting news we did uh the western conference and we went over an hour on that so i decided to make that a standalone episode for real jam radio that'll be out sunday night monday morning so by the time most people listen to this all right and don't forget we're going to be doing a patreon mailbag as well later this week so if you are a subscriber you can get your questions in they're not sure exactly when that's coming we got to still finish up with summer league here it's obviously very film intensive so whenever once we get that finish up with the summer league podcast then we'll uh we'll move to the mailbag and also if you've been enjoying the show a review on itunes would be very much appreciated as well talk to you all next time at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.